how do you manage the initial feelings when the doctor say that we can't help you with the vision, we can't help you recover anymore? Constant, relentless denial. I'm a very visual person. Visual, 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 like to know that you'll be blind for the rest of your life. No, I don't want. You were ready to go. Yeah, I was like, like, why do I have to leave? Uh, like, I've absolutely no more reason to leave. What I want to say is, I would have been successful in it if I weren't blind. Could you describe whether there were any ill treatment because of the way you are now? Someone hit me from my front. My Viking fell. Immediately, the person shouted, Hey, you're blind. Uh, and... This is probably the first time I can say, yeah, I am. Welcome back to Keep It Coming with me, Adi Rahman. And uh, this time round, we are with someone by the name of Mansour Ali. But before that, have you ever wondered how it's like to be born ordinary only to have almost everything snatched away from you in the blink of an eye. Shortly after turning 25, Mansour went through a frightening medical ordeal. We will ask him a little bit more later. This is Mansour's stories of hope and how he managed to find the light in the darkness. Welcome to Keep It Coming, Mansour. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Now, Ali. tell us about your childhood. My childhood. Yeah, I mean, life as... As, as a sighted run. person, right? Yeah. As a sighted person. Yeah, life was uh, fun. It was a lot of uh, soccer, basketball, fast food, um, very little pocket money, like going to the mama shop to buy a very cheap ice cream and hanging out with friends under the block. Um, sounds like a normal man going through life, you go through school. Now, let's reflect on the months or weeks or even days before you lose your sight. Was there any signs or symptoms? Yeah, in early February 2019, that's yeah. when it started happening. So the very first thing that I started to notice was uh, when I was walking around in my office, I hit the edge of the table with my legs. Uh, so my colleagues laughed and I just shrugged it off. You know, you just hit something, then you just shrugged it off, right? Then a couple of days later, also in the office, uh, there was something on the floor, like a cushion. I tripped over that. I tripped over that. And again, I didn't really think much about it. Next, uh, another couple of days later, I was out to have dinner with my friends. Mm. After the dinner, we were going through some poorly lit areas to some other place. I used my phone's uh, torchlight to point at the ground mm. so that I can walk uh, properly and I can at least see the crown. Uh, just very odd. Uh, like everything was just quite dark and uh, yeah, I didn't know what to think about it. And at that point, uh, what I was thinking was like uh, maybe I need to wear uh, specs, you know, or spectacles oh, okay. uh, because your vision uh, gets deteriorated. Right? And 25, like you wouldn't think that uh, you're going through a life crisis, right? Like when you can't see properly, you probably will think, you know, you may need to get a specs or something. If, if you have myopia, right, it's blurry, right? You can't see clearly. Or, uh, but for you, is it all dark? My eyes weren't sensitive to light anymore or maybe as sensitive. So during sunlight uh, outside, uh, because the sun is very bright, right? So, like, I didn't think I had much problems. But the incidents in the office uh, means that my vision was narrowing instead. So, from the bottom, from the top, and from both sides, it was narrowing instead. It's called tunnel vision, right? So, but it happens so minutely, like, uh, like 
maybe a few mm per day or maybe one mm per day or something you wouldn't notice a normal person wouldn't realize it was there any other symptoms i still remember the day uh, very clearly this was a uh, 22nd feb uh, 2019 it was a friday after work uh, on that friday me and my friends went to have dinner and i went home that day and um, for any normal person like uh, when you go into your room right your bedroom uh, before you turn on the lights you still be able to see your bed your chair and other things uh, i wasn't able to see and it was just so weird it was just pitch black and i know uh, like like things were in my brain were like like there's something clearly wrong i panicked and uh, it wasn't a good panic it was like like very bad i i know there's clearly something wrong next day was a saturday then um, I went to I studied part-time university so I went to the campus I'm not able to see the lecturer properly and um there's there's uh like white flashes in front of me and I wasn't like, like I wasn't able to read my like lecture lecture notes properly if a normal person we would see like say 12 words at one time mm-hmm. when you have the tunnel vision you only maybe see like three words yeah three yeah words. yeah correct but you meet your way to school on that saturday yeah because i have to continue my school i pay for it <laughs> uh so but at the same time uh like i know it's getting worse my immediate thoughts were to go to singapore national eye center but it being a saturday wasn't open so i went to sgh uh, ane actually i didn't alert my close friends or my family i just wanted to go and get it checked and settle it on your own just like any responsible adult yeah correct you don't want to create a panic situation my journey there itself was already terrible because i was just stumbling on the things and like i was hitting the poles all i wanted to do was uh like just see the doctor just see the doctor to be in the safe hands i guess i took quite some time but i did manage to go into the ane and I was standing beside this person to press the queue numbers or something and um, I didn't know what the pe- person was pressing like there was like eight numbers I think uh and I don't know what to press also because I can't see well and I just pressed the same button that the, the person pressed because <laughs> I knew someone has to attend to me right when I was talking to the person right like when I was registering he couldn't understand what I was going on because I looked perfectly normal like uh, my eyes everything was just normal he couldn't understand what was going on and I was telling him I really can't see well like my vision is so narrow and all when he gave me my IC right my NRIC back because my vision was so narrow really, I was like looking from searching for my IC physically in front of me I cannot find my IC oh and that's when he knew it was quite serious and he passed me like he put it on my hand and I put it on my wallet and he say some room um, and uh, I was like oh my god I have to find this room on my own my my vision is already so narrow and mm. I was like okay uh, nobody's going to help right so I just got my bag and I just started walking he I, did not guide you to the room no 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 oh, um, okay he probably didn't understand yeah so I just started hitting on the things again walls pillars wall pillars oh, and goodness. he was like sir 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 let me help you I didn't know it was this serious and he got with my hand and uh he brought me to see the doctor like outside the room and i just waited there for like a couple of hours uh, as they did like the first sets of uh, vital like uh, your heartbeat your oxygen level plus your blood sugar level and all that stuff and then a few hours later the doctor immediately uh, just me describing all these things to her said that it's a neurological condition and it's nothing to do with the eyes uh, could be a tumor could be anything but i'm 
99% certain that it's nothing to do with your eyes and it's neurological and we have to look into this immediately uh, just like this right I was shaking actually as the doctor was uh, I'm relieving yeah I was just shaking and I was like I, I had tears I, I had tears and um, the doctor just calmed me down and she wrapped me in a blanket and because uh, I was just like 25 right to know that like uh, to go through such a thing uh I, I didn't want to go through it. So they did all those tests and checks on you. Then um, what did they discover? Okay, uh, so they discovered that I have this thing called uh, idiopathic intracranial hypertension. What is that in layman term? Idiopathic means there's no known cause. Uh, that's literally what it means. So intracranial is within the cranial region of your brain, of your head, right? Hypertension means increased pressure, right? So our brain produces uh, this fluid called the CSF, cerebral spinal fluid. So it is a fluid that's produced by the brain that surrounds the brain and uh, goes around up to your spine as well, uh, cerebral spinal fluid. For me, it was three times the pressure, then the fluid just built up in my head and... Um, and uh, it lodged on my optic nerve, hence my vision was deteriorating and all that stuff. But the weird thing about this is um, the doctors told me, right, for anyone who is experiencing this condition, which is already very rare, they would have had the symptoms for at least a year or two. Um, I didn't have any symptoms. And the thing is, the doctors operated and have seen many patients who had this condition, they were able to stop the progression of the disease and they were still able to go on with their normal life, maybe with like 80% vision, 90% vision, you know? We're talking just like with only 10 to 20% deterioration, you know? But for me, at the time, it was so late already and the condition was really, really at the last stage and the doctors even told me that saving your life was the first priority and your vision is our secondary priority. I didn't want to hear both. I was young, I wanted to leave. There's still so much I haven't experienced yet, right? At the same time, I didn't want to lose my sight as well. Who wants to, right? All the more, I was a very visual person. I was in the creative and media industry. My job was very visual. I was traveling a lot, both for work and leisure, right? Mm -mm. So, yeah, it didn't sit well with me. I was just so upset. Like, it, it just hits you, then, then I think it caused some form of depression. And on top of that, it happens to one in 100,000 women. People, yeah, one in 100,000 old obese women. And like, I was young, I wasn't obese, I'm not a woman, like, uh, it was just so odd. And that's why uh, they, the doctors went into this thing called uh, exhaustive medicine for about two weeks. They did every possible test or scan there is to do to diagnose me. They tested me for everything, like uh, PET scan, CAT scan, uh, MRI, and MRI itself, there's so many different types of MRI, I didn't even know actually. So the first two weeks, of my admission was mostly uh, spent in like uh, machines in and all stuff. those machines yeah, with all yeah, those yeah, yeah, correct, funny correct. strange thundery sounds when you exactly go into right, it, right exactly now 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 that you can't see and you're just hearing all these sounds what went through your mind all i wanted to do, uh, the doctor to tell me was okay man so we found this thing uh, don't worry uh, we can do this uh, probably take like a uh, one surgery or two surgeries we can do this that's all I wanted, right? Uh, um, but no, it wasn't, yeah. I think uh, even anybody, not just you, just anybody who, who has even the slightest of pain, they want it to go away the fastest 
possible manner. Now, what kind of surgery that you have to go through? So, uh, one of the things that they uh, revealed uh, through the MRIs and the other scans, right, that I had a blood clot in my brain, uh, the left side of my brain, and the doctors were shocked to have found that I was still alive because uh, with the amount of blood clot in my brain, I, I should have been dead. So, the very first uh, operation that was... Uh, done to me was to actually remove the clot actually maybe this was a miracle you know in a way uh, if not for my vision deteriorating i wouldn't have found the clot and probably i would have been dead i don't know so as i was going through all these operations right my this being a neurological condition my physical condition was was actually deteriorating although initially i was able to walk and talk i wasn't able to walk nor talk uh, like uh, the whole process makes you go weaker really weak like really really weak like in one day like in one day in the hospital i would have like only one meal like a very liquid meal and uh i was too fat actually i was too fat oh i wasn't even like able to uh swallow them even though it was too fat direct to my stomach i, I guess I i'll just like vomit them out and all that stuff uh, so the body's rejecting all these processes has been done correct to correct correct so many medicine i was hooked up like almost everywhere you know like uh my my chest my uh, my head my 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 arms were hooked up and like uh, I, I went to so many IVs, the intravenous mm. uh, injections, right? They, they have to like find new places because uh, everywhere was like scarred and damaged and they have to like find new places to to uh, give me those IVs and the medications, yeah. So whom do you lean on to when things becomes really, really bad? Who's your rock? At this point, while I was going through all these difficulties and all that stuff, right? My close friends, um, I could in a way say that they are my rock. I've known them my more than half my life. Uh, they are my everything. Uh, but at the same time, um, when I was going through all these surgeries, um, I shut them off because I wanted to go through these surgeries, come out, hey guys, everything is okay. In retrospect, I would say that uh, maybe uh, I would have had a better journey mm -hmm. uh, if I were to... Uh, keep in close contact with them but I didn't solely because I just wanted to enter all of this to end like a very bad nightmare and I wanted to just go back to being normal again mm -hmm. yeah. How do you manage the initial feelings when the doctors say that we can't help you with the vision we can't help you recover anymore? Constant relentless denial thinking that this is all going to be over uh, mm -hmm. because even though I went through the surgeries, uh, it wasn't immediate that the doctors told me that like, oh, tomorrow you can see. No, the doctor, it, like, you have to give it some time to recover. So mm -hmm. for all the surgeries that I went to, usually the recovery period would be four to six weeks. Uh, so that four to six weeks itself was a nightmare because, you know, you're hoping for the best, right? Mm -hmm. So every day, every day, every single day, I'll be on my bed on my bed in the hospital ward, right? And I will look up either to the ceiling or the TV or any kind of uh, visual signs. And I want to compare it to the day before. Mm. Um, uh, like I want to, uh, if I'm looking at something, I want to know like, am I seeing more of this or am I seeing less of this? And the, and the disheartening news was that I was seeing less of it every day. You know, we are all Asians. We have our cultural upbringing, the spiritual upbringing. We have the secular education that we all go through. 
and uh, was there at any point that maybe a family member or a friend or any relation that say why don't we try alternative healing did you um, uh, go through that option of okay let's try alternative healing the alternative healing and all that came after me getting discharged and me was uh, being able to walk again i have to go through physical uh, rehabilitation to walk again because uh, i was admitted for so long and i even had a surgeries done on my spine actually uh, how long were you in the hospital for you to mention that it's so hard for you to move again three and a half months i think about oh, from okay. three and a half months to four months and uh, lying down in bed most yeah, of the time yeah. correct after the surgery was done like you you literally cannot move your body even the slightest bit of movement can damage your spine or the implant that is in my spine and uh, like I could die or become paralyzed or it could have very serious repercussions with my neurological condition. So I have to like stay still and knowing full well that uh, my muscles will atrophy, right? Uh, because you just can't move. After that, uh, I wasn't able to walk. Uh, then I have to go through like uh, physical uh, rehabilitation or that journey itself was so difficult uh, but yeah now uh, let's go to the alternative healing uh, yeah, so post-hospital procedures mm. where you are able to stand again there's another process that was so-called uh, introduced to you uh, because and it, it's just being Asian right you just want to try correct, spiritual correct. healing alternative healing correct 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 I'm a huge proponent of uh, medical, uh, science. medical science right I'm like kind of adverse to traditional medicine but at the same time uh, I was like everything uh, the doctors can do right they already done really so why not right <laughs> I'll just go in and I'll just try like uh, I drank uh, like potions or mm. like medicines maybe like tonics or something mm. like that you uh, actually went through that process okay never mind like you know just try yeah because what if right uh, Miracle can happen. Yeah, what, what if it really works, you know? They were making huge claims, by the way. Uh, oh, okay. Whoever I saw, they were like, yeah, it's one month, no, one month I was in the hospital for three and a half months and they were telling me like one month I can see again and I'm going to be walking and driving and all. Like, okay, I'll take you up on the claim. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we did uh, spend the money. Uh, we did drink all this stuff. So many things I went through. Then uh, what else? Uh, Is there any... What, what, what's the strangest thing you have to do for alternative healing? I would say acupuncture when the person was uh, using the needle on you needle on me on my the second uh, toe finger on yeah. my foot saying that it will have an effect on, the on eye. my eyes or optic nerves I really didn't want to do this <laughs> I really didn't want to do it I mean okay like I'm Full disclosure, it may have uh, merits uh, for other, um, how to say, um, ailments, but I really didn't believe it. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, I'll just do it. And uh, I did it, but yeah, nothing happened. So that, that's another months and processes that you have to go oh, through. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will dread it, actually. After you left the hospital, then in the process of you gaining your health, it is all about readjusting was the adjustment harder for you because hey i used to do this and now you need to undo and relearn for me the adjustment was very difficult very very difficult 
I was in constant denial. This grief process, right? There's uh, five, proce- uh, five steps to it, right? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, right? So I went through denial and then I was angry. Like, why is this happening to me? It's like, like so many uh, bad people in the world. Like, why me? Like, like why not them? Uh? Like, why not them? Like, I was so angry. Then bargaining, like, I was praying to God, like, um, if you can, uh, it may sound silly now, but I actually did this. I, I legitimately prayed to God, uh, if you can uh, give me my sight back, uh, I will donate half my salary for the rest of my life mm. to uh, the religious institution. I was so desperate, right? I was so, so desperate. I need something to work. I need something to work, right? So yeah, that's why, like, to donate half your salary for the rest of your life is a huge uh, commitment. Yeah, commitment. Yeah, actually, um, but I was willing to do that. Then was a uh, depression, which was probably the longest uh, phase during that that depressive mode. Do you shut down? Was there a suicidal attempt? Yeah, there was. Uh, in fact, there was. Uh, two in particular before that attempt actually uh, i was speaking to my family about Mm. assisted suicide i know there are certain countries in the world that uh, have legalized assisted suicide Uh, so hmm, you can get it done yeah you were ready to go yeah i was like like why do i have to leave Uh, like i have absolutely no more reason to leave vision is everything like um, i'm a very visual person i'm so independent like i was traveling so frequently and i loved movies and i was in the creative and media industry it was just visual 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 like to know that you'll be blind for the rest of your life no i don't want i had knowledge of these certain countries uh doing assisted suicide i mean just through general reading and all and i was uh proposing this to uh, my family members to bring me there and just uh to, Let yeah, go. to live yeah to just live. yeah fine yeah but yeah, they didn't want to. Uh, then after that, uh, when my family members weren't home, or maybe they were in like other rooms or not paying attention to me or what, uh, I did attempt suicide. Uh, I won't go into the details, but um, what I want to say is I would have been successful in it if I weren't blind. The way that you are now. Could you describe whether there were any ill treatment because of the way you are now today isn't enough for that <laughs> <laughs> no okay. Uh, okay maybe some some prominent ones not not too painful for you yeah yeah, yeah. some uh, light-hearted ones i would say yeah so there was this time i was uh, in the mall with my friend i had the, my white cane on my right hand mm. and i was holding uh, my friend's arm um using my left hand and uh someone uh hit me uh, from my front and my white I let go of my white cane because the the, the force yeah the impact was uh, so great right immediately like uh, the person said like or shouted I would say uh, hey you blind uh, and this is probably the first time I can say yeah I am mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean like I took it like heartily but uh, when you think back like, it wasn't nice I would say 
that wasn't nice like uh and the person knew full well that i am blind because of my white cane right the person did not assist to pick it up or even say sorry or what there was another time such an incident happened also and the other person didn't even like stop to uh apologize yeah or like even like uh like shout at me or something like or even acknowledge that situation like it was just a very normal thing for them to hit on the people and just go we all have hopes and aspiration what are your hopes now from at least one from your career standpoint with my condition um my hope would be to write prior to me turning blind i was producing and uh, managing projects uh, creative projects mm. ideally i would still be producing and solving problems or managing and putting putting together projects uh, although i can't see like uh, i can still do uh, uh, plenty of uh, things um, mm. with conviction i'd say so that's that's from a career standpoint do you think there's hope for love <laughs> <laughs> i do think about it actually um I do want to find someone and uh fall in love and get married and have a family with kids and all. Yeah, so if you know anyone. <laughs> you will <laughs> never know, you will never know. I think yeah. um if it takes about 3 months for you to talk over the phone, anyone could fall for you. Now, mm. now we know that you have gone through so much even during this conversation. What kind of blessing do you see that's being derived from everything that has happened in your life? It's a very good question. The biggest blessing I would say is that uh and I always think about this. Me turning blind or going through adversities showed me the true colors of people. I'm not talking about strangers. I'm talking about people that I know. Sometimes I'm really so thankful to have gone through this experience uh, or go through adversities because a good number of people like uh, just left mm-hmm. vanished and they don't want anything to do with you like although we were so close right or like we had um some form of uh, some form of relationship right but at the same time the other half just rose up to the occasion like like immensely grateful like i'm so grateful that the kind of things they do and they and they say like i'm thankful every day to have known them to have met them and to thank god actually to have introduced them to me uh, in one way or another yeah so for all those bad people that have left you you were uh, given the gift of good people that come and yeah, to yeah. to replace them. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, like um it's just uh, they compensated and yeah, there's so many of them like yeah. I love them so much, yeah. I want to ask you why is it important for anyone or for everyone to never ever give up in life? Better days will come when uh, hopelessness tells you that your better days are gone. Have no fear. Uh, you will overcome this too i promise you yeah better days will come you yeah. just need to have a lot of faith and be strong yeah, we pray for the best for you and we hope that uh, better days will come or greater yeah. days will come yeah. and uh, please do invite me when the wedding bells are nearer or louder inshallah, inshallah. <laughs> uh, yeah. i look forward for that i think yeah. you are a very 
colorful person, a mm. very interesting person to talk to. There's so many things that we can talk about. There's so many things that we mm. can explore together. Mm. And uh, may our path not just end here, yeah. but it will keep on crossing and make us uh, better friends someday. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thank for you being so here. much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's all Thank from Adi so and much. keep it coming.